Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 92. The newest addition to Royal Caribbean's fleet, Anthem of the Seas, has taken her maiden voyage and is already welcoming thousands of passengers on board this truly impressive vessel that blends technology, entertainment, dining, and elegance into one. I've invited two of my friends that just sailed on Anthem of the Seas back to the podcast this week to bring you our roundtable discussion all about Anthem of the Seas. We'll review pretty much everything the ship has to offer from stem to stern. Here we go. Royal Caribbean welcomed its 23rd ship into the fleet recently and certainly garnered a lot of attention. And obviously we're talking about Anthem of the Seas. Anthem of the Seas is the second in the quantum class of ships, and she's packed with the latest that Royal Caribbean has to offer. And we're lucky enough to have two friends on the podcast to join us this week that were on one of the very first sailings Anthem of the Seas experienced over in Southampton, UK. And we'll start things off by welcoming my friend and yours, John Roberts from In The Loop Travel. Welcome, John. Hello, Matt. How are you? Outstanding. Glad to have you back on here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hello, listeners. <laughs> and I'm also being joined by the very talented, very amazing Colleen McDaniel from Cruise Critic. Welcome back to the show, Colleen. Oh, well, thanks, Matt. I'm glad to be here. Can I just have that intro every time? That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I sense new business cards coming your way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you know, both John and Colleen had the chance to go aboard Anthem of the Seas as part of a little sample sailing that we put together by Royal Caribbean. And I really wanted to bring both of you on here to talk about, kind of share your thoughts about this new ship. And, you know, I think by far, I think many Royal Caribbean fans out there really want to know, how is Anthem different than her sister ship, Quantum of the Seas? And it's a loaded question. I mean, it's not like there's four things we can name here. But Colleen, how does Anthem differentiate herself from her older sister? Well, you have to look really hard to find the differences because, you know, they were built so close to one another that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they are really very, very similar. So, um, but, but there are differences. I think a big one, of course, is the entertainment on board, uh, whereas Quantum, at least for now, has Mamma Mia um, on board Anthem. You will see We Will Rock You, both Broadway caliber shows, but different entertainment. Um, but I think another major difference is uh, on Anthem, you have the Dynamic Dining Classic option, which mm. was created because Dynamic Dining wasn't a huge hit on Quantum of the Seas the way uh, Royal kind of expected it to be. So, um, you know, people still like that kind of traditional dining option. And um, on Anthem, they've provided that with Dynamic Dining Classic, which really does give people a more traditional uh, dining option. Absolutely. Now, John, you, you know, Colleen and I are both cruise nerds. That's all we think about. It's just cruising, 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 <laughs> cruising. You know, blue is all we look at, you know, that, that kind of, you're, you're, you're a much more well-balanced uh, man out there. So what were your takes? Because I know you've been on, on Quantum as well. Uh, what, right. How did you see a difference between uh, Anthem and, and Quantum? Well, there. Uh, well, I was on uh, Quantum when it was over here in New Jersey for its first sailing. So the first thing I noticed there was a lot more British passengers on it. <laughs> Very astute. <laughs> but one of the one of the big things is the overall artwork and design of the ship. Um, you really appreciate going around the ship that it stands out uh, with the way they have. Very unique and uh, eye-catching art in all the stairways and everything. Um, they're just unique pieces. You'd have to see it to sort of understand like alternatives <laughs> type of art. And I guess they spent over a million dollars worth of art on the ship. The big a big chandelier in the main uh, concourse, I believe on on five. You can put your hand on a on a spot, and it sort of 
test it uh, syncs up with your heartbeat, and then the chandelier will start flashing to the beat of your heart, which is very really. Um, and the other big popular difference is there's Gigi the giraffe instead of the magenta bear. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, very very big difference. We should add. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about favorite spots on board Anthem, John. What was your favorite spot or location on Anthem? If you if you had to go back right now, where would you be spending some time? Uh, well, I definitely, again, I think I said this last time, is gonna, I'm going to be up on that solarium, mm. uh, the, the, the pool area. Um, it's an enclosed area. It's very nice and very serene. But you have access to a bar that's there. It's just, it's just like a nice peaceful area. I found a, a, a swing they located all the way at the back of the, the ship this time, too, a big adult swing. You can get on there and play around. Uh, the pool areas are great with the loungers in three levels of, of pools. Uh, it's real close to Devon, Devonly Decadence Restaurant, where I might have breakfast every morning and start my day back there. It's just awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm actually surprised, John. It's like I don't even know you anymore. You, I thought for sure you were going to say Michael's Genuine Pub. Well, that's <laughs> that's later in the day where we're after we get our workout in a, in, in the Great Fitness Center, of course. I, can I can I share all a little are, geek? All those three things are probably my favorite three spots. I think you would approve. Uh, when I was on Quantum, I had I discovered one of the beers. They have a large selection of craft beers, and one of them is uh, the Victory Storm King Stout uh, that they offer. I'm not sure if they offered it on Anthem as well, but I went home. I found it at home, so it's like my little little sampling of of well, in this case, Quantum of the Seas. But <laughs> I, I thought you would appreciate that. You know, I'm combining my love of cruising and beer together into nice. one. Yeah, they go <laughs> together hand in hand for sure. Colleen, what about you? What's your favorite spot on board Anthem? Well, John actually hit on it. Um, it's the fitness center. I, I truly believe um, Anthem has uh, one of the best fitness centers at sea. Uh, it's enormous. It has so many different options. Um, it's got free weights. It's got machines. It's got cardio equipment. They have a huge area for you know stretching and classes. Um, you know, it would it would make anybody trying the fitness center for the first time really happy i think they'd feel very comfortable there but true gym rats will also love it because it really offers um you know a, a exceptional variety uh even you know this is this is a little uh little nerdy thing but um dumbbells go up to 100 pounds which is really high and very uncommon so it's a terrific space now i'm not saying i'm going to spend all my time there but it's a nice way to <laughs> start the day off I did notice, by the, or rather, I read about a lot of other people who mentioned, in fact, Colleen, that the fact that the dumbbells do go above, what is it, 50 or 55 pounds, yeah. that's like a, that is a big deal. And I agree, the gym in general is really impressive. I spent a little time there, probably not as much as I should have. <laughs> uh, but what it's... about your spin class experience? Oh, my, don't, please don't bring it up. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> it's not, it was a lot of fun, but man, I am not prepared for that, and, and, ugh. I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, it was, but it's impressive. I mean, the offerings are just, it's, it's, it's not like just, you know, just a little uh, corner that they happen to stick a treadmill and some weights in. It's really impressive. The, the space and the use of it and the, the classes they offer. Um, it's, it's really nice. It's uh, one of the, other the evolution of, uh, fitness centers on cruise ships and really i mean this is it, it's it's an exceptional space i I'd, I'd pay money to go to it on land <laughs> don't tell them that they might get an idea <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well you know one of the other big focal points on anthem of the seas and in the quantum class in general really is the use of technology and i know that both uh, you guys had had the chance to be on quantum as we talked a little bit about already but i suspect many of the other passengers john mentioned many of them are british i'm not sure if anyone knew that uh, <laughs> but this is their probably their first time on quantum class so 
what were your observations when you kind of the reactions that you witnessed from other passengers interacting with some of this really amazing technology for the first time? I would say there was a, I know we had a little bit of glitch uh, problem with some of the the robotic bartenders on Quantum, our our sailing, so it was a little slow to get off the ground, but it was up and running pretty good on Anthem, and people were lying three or four deep, and they were really transfixed with the idea of that. Now, I don't I don't know if that'll wear off, but it, you know, it seems it seems to be a, a real. Uh, it draws in a lot of interest with that sort of thing that can be done in the technology on the ships these days. That's what I saw. Um, that and the the show they have back in uh, two seventy mm. was impressive. Again, it was different than Quantum Show, but it had a lot of people were very showing a lot of wow factor going on. I would say too that um, you know with with quantum um, there, there was a whole, a big deal made about the high tech nature and the high speed um, internet and it snagged a little at the beginning uh, whereas on anthem from the very beginning um, you know the the high speed internet worked I mean we really mm. truly were uh, watching streaming video which I've never done on a cruise ship before which uh, is really impressive yeah that's uh, true I was able to stream Netflix shows in the room at night. Yeah. And I also would say that, um, you know, one of the big things that they did on Quantum when it came out is they equipped everybody with tablets, um, waiters, check in, all of that stuff. Uh, But there were some glitches with that as well. It seemed like there was some uh, tech problems, maybe some lack of training, that kind of thing. And on Anthem, you definitely noticed that some of that was smoothed out. Uh, And part of it is simply they actually added more crew members back into Mm. the mix. So um, they realized that they couldn't really substitute technology for for people. And so they did add back crew members and um, orders seemed to go smoothly. Check-in really was instantaneous. Uh, Now, again, we were on a media sailing, um, so it wasn't the same kind of experience that, you know, somebody who's on on a true revenue sailing would have. But um, I would say it's a real good indication that they worked out some of those bugs and they made sure they got them right this time. You hit upon one of the big questions I wanted to ask you about because, you know, as you've all hinted about, you know, when Quantum Seas launched, it was mired by a lot of logistical issues, primarily surrounded dining. And, um, you know, with, with with Anthem of the Seas, a lot of people are looking at it like, are we going to see history repeat itself or did Royal Caribbean, you know, learn from its mistakes? And and, and I'm guessing it sounds like, because I was going to ask you guys, do you think Royal Caribbean got it right off the bat here? Um, but do you think they've really gotten to the point where they can avoid similar issues on Anthem, or or is the jury still out potentially? Well, I would say um, I, I would preface it with saying you know Quantum is not only a first in class, but mm. it's a fairly major leap as far as what they were ambition went with you know one the technology that they tried to take on, two with really the idea of changing how people dine on board a cruise ship so they made some really big leaps in that um and it was quite ambitious so with anthem they had a chance to really get it right um and i feel like they did a very nice job with addressing some of those issues and saying we recognize that this didn't work on quantum and we're fixing it on anthem and you'll notice these changes um and i and i think that's really a, a, a i think that it's going to work and i think that um it can only improve whatever they do on board both subsequent ships and also retroactively on, on other ships um ceo michael bailey has 
come out again and again and said he really is, he thinks dynamic dining is the future. Um, and so they're trying to come up with a way that works without really turning off some people that prefer a more classic kind of experience. Um, but he's expressed his commitment to it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you, I think you, I think I tend to agree with a lot of what you said there, Colleen. Just seeing Quantum of the Seas myself back in March, you know, the, 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 the lot of the issues is I, I, Colleen, you and I both know we read all the same things on, on Cruise Critic, right? We see all the, all the postings and, and people, you know, we're sharing a lot of, uh, interesting feedback, certainly in the first couple of months. But since then, I think they really turned the corner quite quickly, might I add. In terms yeah. of kind of fixing that, and and it sounds like you know with Anthem, it's more the same here in terms of being able to really recognize where their pitfalls were and admit, look, we didn't get it right, but we're going to make it right, and and I think that's 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 really a, a, a key change there, and and I'm it sounds like everything you're saying and everything I've read so far that Anthem is off to a great start in that regard. Absolutely, I I agree. I think that um that it's off to a terrific start. All right, let's talk. I can't. I can't delay it anymore. I've been trying to be civil about it, and and not, not really. Let's talk about food, please. I can't wait <laughs> to talk about the dining. It's my favorite part of any Royal Caribbean cruise. So, uh, so John, you already mentioned breakfast at uh, Devonly Decadence, right. but uh, give me, give me your, give me your top three here. Maybe I don't know if you want to go dishes, you want to go restaurants. You tell me what stands out in your mind, dining wise, on Anthem of the Seas. Um. Hmm. That's the tough one. We were only there for two days, so we didn't get to try everything. Right. <clears throat> um, honestly, uh, we ha- had a steak in Grand, which was okay. Mm-hmm. What stood out, not as far as um, a great meal or whatever, was I don't. Are you aware that Jamie's is an a la carte pricing now? Yeah, I saw they changed that. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the journalists I dined with had very strong feelings about that because you started to add up what a typical meal might be, and it's going to be way more than the $25 uh, cover charge as a specialty restaurant that it used to be or was on Quantum. Right. So we're unsure about whether that pricing is existing just while it's overseas and if that's going to come over to the U.S. too. That could that could uh, raise a lot of eyebrows, I think, because you're going to start getting meal costs per person up into the $60, $70, $80 range if you, if you start adding up what you might really have as a full meal at one of these specialty dining. So I don't I don't... You know, you're paying twenty five dollars for your main and seven dollars for an appetizer and seven fifty for a dessert and I just yeah, I just a- wanted to raise that raise that issue in case you wanted to let your uh, listeners know about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair point. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a shift in the pricing, and and I think you're right that more likely than not, you'll skew higher than the old uh, price. I guess right. it kind of also really depends. Have I know to select what you want off your menu and then s- start thinking yeah. about. Before you just grab all you want, you know you paid the twenty five dollars. You're in there. You're on a cruise. You're gonna get all mm-hmm. you can because because you paid the extra fee to begin with, and you get yep. a nice meal and you're gonna have a little bit of everything. But it's gonna make you really slow down that type of thinking. Uh, Colleen, what's it out for you dining wise on Anthem? Well, um, I think that again, I, I, I'm a little partial to Devonly uh, as somebody who travels quite a bit. Um, it's nice to have an option that is healthier. Um, and uh, 
still tasty. So I think that's great. <laughs> um, you know, while the ship is in the UK, uh, they actually are catering to UK tastes, which certainly aren't identical to US tastes. So, you know, yeah. you're going to have a lot of curry dishes. You're going to have shepherd's pie and Marmite and lots and lots of tea. Um, so you'll especially see that uh, in the buffet in the Windjammer area. Um, and, and it's very thoughtfully done. Um, you know, you, you get your HP sauce and all that good stuff. So the Brits will be really <laughs> happy about that. Um, you know, again, we did, we, we were only on for two nights and one night we did eat in Jamie's, um, which was, it, it's very good. Um, but I have to echo that, um, I, I think it might work better in the UK simply because I think Jamie's name has a little bit more, uh, recognition with the UK, um, folks. I don't know how well that's going to go over in the U S. Um, I don't know that he's the kind of name that'll have people saying, you know what? I just have to dine at Jamie's. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether they change that structure when the ship comes over. Interesting. No, I like I like the points. And, yeah. you know, Colleen, you keep stealing all my questions. But my next question for you was was about actually the UK cruising market, because Anthem of the Seas is based out of uh, Southampton for the summer. And, uh, you know, how do you think she's really, you know, we talked a little about the dining aspect, but how do you think she's gonna be received by the UK cruising market? You know, is she, I mean, she's certainly the largest uh, cruise ship Royal Caribbean has ever sent over there. Um, you know, do you think it's going to play well? Do you think that after she leaves, the UK cruisers are going to be begging for her or another quantum class ship to come back? Or does a ship like a smaller ship, like or it's not, no, small, slightly smaller, uh, like Independence of the Seas or Explorer of the Seas, you know, is that, I don't want to say good enough, but does that really fit the market a little bit better? That's a fair question. Um, they love having the new hardware. Uh, it, it works out really well for them. They get, they get you know, <laughs> a, a, a bit of time with a brand new ship. Um, but ultimately, they don't hold on to the new hardware very long over there. Um, it's, I like that Royal Caribbean has quite thoughtfully put in some touches for the UK. One of the things I just think is really cool is they're taking advantage of 270 is this, you know, interactive space where they have, you know, they can use that Vistarama, which are the floor to ceiling um, windows, 270 degrees covered by um, screens that on which are projected these, it's incredible. I can't even explain it, but you know, LED lights are, um, are projected onto these these screens, and it makes for a really intense, uh, lifelike visual. So for the Brits, they're having tea time in 270, and they're bringing in a full orchestra to accompany you during high tea in 270, uh, which is just a really neat touch. And a virtual you know, orchestra. A virtual orchestra, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the other, not actually bringing in the uh, American Philharmonic, but you'll see it on the screen. <laughs> so, um, and I, I think that's great. But you know, I think that UK passengers are, are used to getting some of the hardware that's um, that's not so new. And for them, really, they have Britannia right now, which is P&O's product that debuted about a month before Anthem did. So they've got that as well. If they really have to do the new ship, they've got that option. Okay. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, one of the coolest innovations I thought of the quantum class are the virtual balconies and having experienced that on quantum. This is, I really love this idea and really it's hard for me to imagine being in an inside certain without one now. So, uh, now with now Anthem of the Seas offering virtual balconies, I mean, you guys have seen them. Uh, wh what are your thoughts on them? Do you think people are reacting just as, as well as I did to them and, and kind of, you know, when you see them, are they still impressive to you from a visual standpoint? It's never come up with anybody I've talked to, honestly, other than they said they've heard of them 
and and the people I've seen haven't been in those types of rooms, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Colleen might have met a few people who've been who have been enjoying them or whatever. Well, you know, um, we've seen people on our boards talking about them, our message boards, and they seem to be pretty keen. Um, what they're not as keen on is the pricing, uh, which is it's slightly more than you'd pay for a traditional inside room, right? Um, right. But as somebody personally who likes a little white noise at night, who likes to hear the sea, I think the idea is really quite ingenious. You know, certainly Disney did a similar thing with their virtual portholes, but this is kind of taking it to a different level where you can see, you know, what's going on outside the ship and you can hear the waves. And I I think it's really cool. Um, And it's not as much as a true balcony. It doesn't cost you as much as a true balcony. So you do have this really kind of great option (laughs) that makes you feel like you've got that experience, although you can't actually walk out onto that balcony and have your, you know, drinks on, on it. That's true. Well, yeah. <laughs> nothing's perfect, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have seen it uh, firsthand as well on, I'm not sure if you saw it on Anthem, but I know you, I'm pretty sure you guys saw it on Quantum because we were both going in and out of the uh, right. those room tours. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Visually, I just, I think it's it's quite stunning. Um, I would say Royal, too. They, they smartly debuted them on um, Navigator of the Seas as well. So yep. uh, I know a lot of media got a chance to see those on board Navigator. That's right. Uh, very good. Well, you know what? Uh, before we go, uh, you know, I actually wanted to. Last question is for John because John, of course, the uh, world-renowned travel blogger, and uh, John, <laughs> John, if anyone's going to London or Southampton, really for this cruise, I mean, but if they're in the area, can you recommend something for sightseeing maybe before your cruise? I know that often comes up as questions for people that want to, you know, they want to blend a little land and cruise vacation, especially because you know we often recommend getting to your port, you know, at least a day ahead of time. Maybe some a couple things that you saw in your sightseeing that you would recommend well, yeah, for other tourists. If you're in Southampton, I have absolutely no idea what's there. <laughs> it's very <laughs> industrialized, but it's an yes. hour by train, so you might go to London a day earlier, stay a day later, and go to London, of course. But pretty much, if you're in London in anywhere near the Thames, you can just walk all day long, which I like to do. Take a run or go for a walk all day long. You go to Parliament Square. You'll see Big Ben. I mean, every within a within a four hour walk up and down the south bank of the Thames, you're going to see uh, the Tate Modern Museum, which is awesome. All the museums are free. I went to the British Museum. Um, they have a ferry boat ride that goes from Tate Modern on one side to Tate Britain on the other. So, I mean, you you can't go wrong. Two days in, in London are awesome. It's not enough to see everything, but. The stuff is so condensed in, the, in, in an area where you'll get a nice, nice taste of London down there. There's all sorts of parks by Buckingham Palace also. So nice. you can just sort of pick a segment of the city and just have, have a blast for a day. Sounds great. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you both of you actually for joining us on this podcast. Very informative, very good stuff. And of course, you want to check out Colleen. She is on uh, Cruise Critic. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, also, of course, uh, John's from uh, InLoopTravel.com. So check them both out. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank Thank you, you. Appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to John and Colleen. They're two great, really interesting and fun people to talk all about cruising in general. And, you know, we should have recorded. We talked for another 30 minutes after we finished recording because we just love talking about it. And I wish I recorded it all, but alas, that's how it goes. But uh, it's time to actually talk about one of my other favorite things to talk to you about cruising as well. And actually, I wanted to make sure I took some time here to say a big thank you 
to everyone who's been leaving these great reviews on iTunes. I mention this every episode, and it's still true that if you leave us a review on iTunes, boy, it's one of the best ways that you can say thank you to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast because it helps others find it. I've got two reviews to read for you this week. First is from JJT24, who writes, I found this podcast several months ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Matt provides a lot of really helpful information, tips, and perspective on all things related to cruising with Royal Caribbean. It really helps pass the time during my commute, allowing me to think about my upcoming cruise. Keep up the great work. I look forward to the podcast every week. Thank you very much. And we also have another review from RaidersFan1975. Writes, Matt is very knowledgeable and has convinced me to sail on Royal Caribbean. He's funny and witty and seems like a genuine person. I hope to meet him one day. Love all the podcasts he's a part of. Thanks for the fun, the wit, and the weekly information, as well as the excitement I can so totally hear in your voice. I think I need to have Raiders fan 1975 write my resume for me. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's done it. Not just today, not just this week, not just this month, but throughout from beginning to finish, boy, you guys are all awesome. Love it. All right, let's get to your emails, and we'll start with an email from Christopher Percy, who's writing to us about episode 88 uh, in regards to, of course, that was Beth's transatlantic European uh, listener cruise preview on Serenade of the Seas, and Christopher writes, Beth, you are in for a terrific cruise. The transatlantic ones are great value and very relaxing. We've taken many transatlantic cruises, and one of the best was in 2013 on Vision of the Seas. Our cruise was 17 days and hit many of the ports that Beth will be visiting. We stayed over in Copenhagen for a few days before flying to the UK for a family wedding and even more traveling. The pre-planning for all the different ports of call and countries involved will be fun, too. It sounds like you are well-versed in gathering information like with Cruise Critic and have planned out excursions, hotel rooms, etc. very well. Your advice on planning for your medications is right on point and will be valuable for going on the extended trips. Very good. Thank you, Christopher. Love the email. Next, we have an email from Mark Wiggum of Greenwood, Indiana. Mark writes, Matt, I've been a huge fan of your WDW Today podcast for many years, and so when it came time to venture out of my comfort zone and surprise my wife for her 40th birthday with a cruise, I knew exactly whose cruise podcast to turn to. We're doing a four-day cruise the first week of February 2016 on Enchantment of the Seas to NASA and Coco Cay with a D2 Superior Ocean View stateroom with balcony. This will be our first cruise, and we are traveling with two other couples who are experienced Royal Caribbean cruisers. While I know that I can count on their experience, I value your opinion, and I want to be able to be informed and give input as well as we plan our time. What are some can't-miss things on that ship that we need to plan for? Do you have any suggestions or on excursions? I listened to the Coco Cay episode, and, and so how worried should I be about not actually making it to the island in February? Finally, what can you tell me about Crown Anchor Society? I'm looking forward to branching out of the Disney podcast world into the cruising podcast world, but glad to know there's a familiar voice. Great questions, Mark, and you know there's a lot of uh, good good information there, so let's jump right into it. First of all, you're going, of course, on the Enchantment of the Season. I, Mark, I would recommend actually one of the episodes we did all about Enchantment of the Season, the top five and I'll post a link in our uh, show notes here on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. You can go over there and listen to that episode. I'm sure you probably already actually listened to it by now, Mark. But if not, it was a really fun episode that that uh, Michael Poole and I did. And uh, always fun to talk to Michael about, about cruising. I think what's really cool about Enchantment of the Seas are some of the unique additions that were added to the ship as a result of its stretching. And we talked all about, about that. So I'll recommend you there to that episode. You can listen to us <laughs> wax poetically all about it. Now, in terms of uh, excursions, you're going to NASA and Coco Cay. So Coco Cay, it's a beach day, right? You're going to be on the beach. It's Royal Caribbean's private island. Not a huge, whole lot there. The only thing you might consider is, of course, you could try getting a, a cabana. I think the, the problem I have with the cabanas at Coco Cay is that they're not on the water. You have to walk from the cabana area to the beach. Whereas, like, on Labadee, you have your own private beach. So I'm not totally in love with the idea. 
But I will say it's still a cool thing to do. Of course, that's primarily for sweet guests, but you can still get on the waiting list if you choose to. All you have to do, this is for anybody who's going to any of these islands, you just need to go to the excursion desk. Right, I would recommend going literally first thing you do when you get on board. And there's usually a wait list. And just go put your name on there, and they'll contact you during the cruise if there's availability. But otherwise, Coco Cay, you're pretty much just sitting there. Unless you want to do like, um, you know, uh, some sort of a small excursions like a parasailing or something like that. But I think Coco Cay is built for just enjoying the view and, and kind of just relaxing. Nassau, you know, there can be a lot. Nassau's an interesting port because people that have been there many, many times will tell you that, you know, they really don't get off the ship all that much anymore. But there are cool things to do. There's a little bit of sightseeing you can do. It's mostly in a walking tour fashion. I mean, you can do it all within maybe two or three hours of walking, and it's all around the area. But if you're interested in some other stuff, some other neat ideas, I would recommend, of course, Atlantis is a, is a great one. It's hard to go wrong with Atlantis. It's the resort that is located just a short drive and or boat ride. There's actually water taxis that can bring you there as well. And it's a really cool, basically you get a resort pass, you get access to the facilities there. There's a lot. There's a casino, there's the beach, there's a water park. There's tons of stuff to do over there. It's great for families also. It's on the expensive side, but... You know, in terms of NASA, it's one of the best things to do there. So hopefully that'll help you a little bit there. Now, you also wondered about how worried should you be about not making it to the island in February. Well, for those who are not aware, Coco Cay has a reputation for some ships from time to time not being able to dock there, or not dock there, stop there, because they don't have a dock. They just have to use tenders, and it can get very windy. It's just the nature of the Bahamas, and February is winter, so it can be that way. You know, my advice is, well, for one thing, there's nothing you can do. I can tell you, there's nothing I can tell you that's going to increase your chances or decrease your chances of, of going there. I would say that have a good outlook and hope for the best. I mean, there's, I don't think it's a likely thing to happen. I think it, can, it obviously can happen, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. When we were there on Freedom of the Seas, we were able to stop there and didn't have a problem. And, I, you know, when we're going on Freedom of the Seas here in July, I'm pretty sure we're stopping there as well. So... You know, it's a it's a very much a uh, you know, laissez-faire thing, right? If you, if you stop there, great. If not, it's another nice sea day on board the ship. There's nothing. It's just it's a totally out of your control. Is what I'm trying to get at. Um, but again, I wouldn't bet on it not stopping there. Let's put it that way. And uh, finally, what can you tell me about Royal uh, Crown and Anchor Society? So Crown and Anchor Society obviously is Royal Caribbean's membership reward program. I highly recommend joining. There's re- absolutely no reason not to. You can only join it after taking your first Royal Caribbean cruise. So it sounds like this is your first. So after actually what you should do is go on board the ship and a go sign up for it then b take advantage of one of the things that a lot of other royal caribbean fans do which is make an onboard booking on board the ship doing so gets you some certain onboard booking perks and basically it's free money for booking on board and the mentality should be well i'm gonna be going on another royal caribbean ship eventually you don't have to necessarily know when although you will be required to to book one, you can always just book something way in advance and change it later on. It doesn't really matter. But as long as you have the idea that you're probably going to be taking another Royal Caribbean cruise, how about maybe our group cruise, Mark, in February on Allure of the Seas? I'll post a link in the show notes. There's my shameless plug for the episode. Um, you could book that, and you'll get whatever the prevailing sale deal is with Royal Caribbean. And on top of it, you'll get some free onboard credit for doing so. So to me, it's like if you know you're going to take another Royal Caribbean cruise, there is absolutely no reason not to book something on board purely for that matter. So hopefully that helps you out there, Mark. Thank you very much for the email. And our last email comes to us from Jennifer from Boston, Massachusetts. writes, Matt, I want to plan a quick getaway, two to five nights, but do not want to spend too much time or effort getting from an airport to the cruise terminal. 
any suggestion on the best departure port or cruise terminal relatively close to the airport. Thanks. Look forward to your podcast every week. This is a very interesting question. I'm not insulting you by any means. I'm just thinking most people, when they choose a cruise, they base it on the ship, the itinerary, maybe even the amenities on board. But certainly proximity to the cruise terminal, that's kind of a new one. Um, I think one that definitely jumps out of my mind almost immediately was the cruise terminal over in uh, Fort Everglades, uh, Port Everglades uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I mean, that cruise terminal is like a stone's throw away from the airport. It's probably one of the closest, if not the closest that I can think of because it is just so, 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 so close. So the only problem with that is two to five nights, you're going to be tough to find a cruise that goes out of there that's that short. I know that Independence of the Sea sometimes does short cruises, but I think I'm not sure if it's four nights. I do know that they do six-night cruises. You'd have to look at that, but I would look at that as an option. That's certainly among the closest. The Actually, Cape Liberty in New Jersey is pretty close because Newark Airport is no more than a... 15 or 20 minute drive. It's just, it's actually longer to drive than it is to actually go there as the bird flies. It's just kind of the nature of the highways. But that one's fairly close. Like, like Port Canaveral, for instance, is, you know, probably 45 minutes to an hour away from Orlando, although it's a very easy drive. I mean, it's one of the easiest there is. It's literally you're driving straight until you run out of land and then bam, you're there. Uh, so I, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I just know, I think you're trying to get from an idea from like, how do I get from the, Again, like you said, just from the airport to the terminal without much thought to it. The one you definitely want to avoid is Galveston. There is no easy way to get there. So that's, that's so I th- I'm thinking it's going to be uh, Port Everglades in, in Fort Lauderdale. I think that's going to be your, there's no question. It's the, it's the closest. If you, when you fly in or fly out, you're going to see the cruise ships over there because they are just, it, it's proximity is, is really impressive. Um, so let's go with let's go with that option. And of course, if I missed anything on, in that regard, if you could think of a terminal that is closer to the airport than Port Everglades, let me know. And of course, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. In fact, I encourage everybody to send me an email, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, because I love reading your emails. I love talking Royal Caribbean cruising with all of you, and I want you to feel like you can definitely send your thoughts, whether you have maybe a comment about something we talked about on the podcast, or a question about your upcoming cruise, or you just want to say hello. I love them all. So please, please, please keep them coming. You can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Well, I think it's going to wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.